What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. We sit with entrepreneurs and artists across disciplines to share their stories, insight, and gems. Their journey will inspire you to think about community and your own narrative, how it shapes who you are, and what your legacy will be. You're listening to No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. You are listening to No Blueprint. I know you went to Standing Rock. I did go to Standing Rock. It was inspired by a friend of mine named Daeshik Kim. Okay, shout out to Daeshik. Hawkins Kim Jr. And he's a local journalist here in Seattle. He uh, was in Divinity School at the time at SPU, at Seattle Pacific University. And I had gone to SPU to help the students do some organizing work because they were having some issues with the administration. Mm. And I, I feel like because the administration has used my image so much to get students of color there, that I owe those young people to show up when they're having problems because it's like misleading, you know what I'm saying? Uh. So that's how I met Day, but Day wanted to go to Standing Rock because a bunch of pastors from different churches were going to Standing Rock to repudiate this thing called the, the um, Discovery Doctrine, mm-hmm. which is a piece of law that basically says it was okay for white people to steal the land from natives and to participate in genocide because they were not doing anything civil civilized with the land, mm-hmm. is basically what it says, mm-hmm. if you were to break it down. And so these pastors were going to go and repudiate that because it's connected to, underlying it is, what, do you, what is it, uh, through, from Calvinism, you manifest okay. destiny. They wanted to go, and some other friends of ours wanted to go, Aaron Kemenow. We were all going to go, Ali Stinas, different people from SPU, and we so we drove there. I was going to work with the Red Out Legal Collective, but I also had friends there who were doing organizing work and wanted to check in with them, find you know, bring them supplies. What yeah. do you, what else do you need? Right. And uh, we got there. They do this ceremony with the elders. They repudiate the the land, the discovery doctrine. I remember standing there while that was happening, thinking it's really great and word to say this piece of legal doctrine is wrong. So I want to know what you're going to do indeed. What are your actions going to look like? Are any of you pastors whose churches are on the land of native peoples, of tribes whose names you may not know or even be able to say, are you going to give them back their land? Right. You know, it's one thing to say it's wrong. It's another thing to take an action yeah. that yeah. repairs it or sets it yeah. right. They're like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody was talking about that. <laughs> and that actually, it, it really it disturbed me. Absolutely. And so... I had had plans to go back and spend more time there, but on our drive back, the car that Ali and Aaron were in with another person who had been at Sandy Rock named Josh had rolled. Wow. Day and I had actually stopped to sleep for the night, and in that accident, our friend Aaron was killed. Wow. And so when I came back to Seattle, um, there was this weird guy named Edwin Lindo trying to like do stuff in Seattle and wanting to connect. Yeah. I helped Edwin go back and yeah. be at Standing Rock for a couple of months, actually. So yeah. helped get money together for for his travel, for food, for supplies, and then he stayed there for a while. But really what was powerful about Standing Rock was when I got back, some incredible organizers, Matt Rimley and Rachel Heaton, who are adult native organizers, were starting an organization called Maza Scott Talks, it means mm-hmm. money talks. And it's a divestment campaign that has actually sparked divestment around the whole world. And it helped me realize that yes, there's the front lines of Standing Rock, but there's also the front line 
and our city? Where is our city contributing mm. to this crisis and this problem? And where is our city saying, you know, not realizing you can't drink oil, you cannot eat money? Mm-hmm. How do we get mm-hmm. them to divest? And so I started a partner and work alongside and learn a lot from Matt and Rachel. And now we're at a point where where it's also understanding like divestment from fossil fuel, divestment from these these banks. It's also about divestment from the prison industrial complex, which has been a huge part of my work. So Real. Rachel, Matt and I have been able to build a relationship that is really important of understanding the intersection of environmentalism and protecting Mother Earth, but also divesting from prisons and seeing the importance of solidarity between black and native people, which has been mm-hmm. there the whole time. We've been in relationship right. the whole time. So Standing Rock was just a really important part of solidifying my commitment to always being in accountable relationship and movement with Native peoples, especially the Native organizers I'm in relationship with, mm. but also acknowledging like I come from Black peoples, formerly enslaved Black peoples who have gone through their own generational trauma because of mm. what uh, the United States has done and that relationship between us and, and continuing to build that. So as we fight for liberation, understanding that those two groups of, of, of sovereign peoples actually need to be fighting together because right. um, we have mm-hmm. we may suffer the oppression differently, but it's the same oppressor. Absolutely. Yeah. I think about how many institutions are invested in prison labor, right? Like from the University of Washington yep. to, <laughs> like, uh, like you say, like the banks and all of that. That's real. That's super real. Is that one thing that inspired you to run for mayor? Um, I wouldn't say that's what inspired. I mean, honestly, the run for mayor was very much based on community asking and community leading. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, the week that we came back from Standing Rock, after our friend had killed in the car accident, uh, 45 was elected. Mm. And there was a huge sense of political apathy. And I started sitting down with other organizers, folks like Edwin, and like Jossie, like John Eckloff, and Nikki Etienne, um, Kale Shannon, uh, Rel Be Free. You know, I name off these folks because I, I want people to know who all the organizers are. I was going to say, are. shout out to all of these people. Yeah, all these the people. Way, who are doing um, amazing work. you. You know, there are so many people in our city that are um, a part of these movements. We started getting together, having dinner, getting coffee, and talking about how are we going to combat the sense of political apathy and the mm-hmm. fear. How do we not get caught up? in those things and then just not move not do anything and so we really just started talking Mm -hmm. and having conversation one of the adult one of the grown mentors who i deeply value in my life is gregory davis who runs the rainier beach action coalition he started meeting with us Mm -hmm. and helping us think through what are the various types of strategies we can use on the local level to make significant changes here because while we can't change in some ways what's happening at the federal level, at the in our local governments we actually have a lot of power. Right. So, yep. And so we kept talking about it and we were like, what if we ran a whole slate of people? Mm-hmm. You know, all mm. with the same platform, all from the same party, all saying the same stuff in whatever race they're in. Mm-hmm. And we were like, that could be powerful. Um, not knowing how much work it takes just to run one campaign yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we started making lists of people mm-hmm. and my name kept being on that list, but I was a secretary, so I was like, delete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my name's not on this list. I will help anyone who wants to do it, right. but I'm not doing it. I don't believe in the establishment. This government is a problem. We need to tear it down. <laughs> but I'm here for you. Right. Uh, 
the weekend that made a huge difference in my decision was the weekend of the, the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. And we had gone to the airport, almost all the folks that worked on the campaign had been were at the airport that night, realized how important it is that we, that we be ready to move at a moment's notice. Right. And then that week, I was asked by another auntie, Aya Musa, to sit down and talk about, talk with King County Councilmember Larry Gossett what the county could be doing to be a sanctuary county, mm -hmm. um, to do some analysis of our laws and whether or not we are actually protecting our immigrant families. Mm -hmm. And so in that conversation, we were very effective as a team in moving Larry to start thinking about some things. Absolutely. And as we're leaving the meeting and we're walking to their cars, Auntie Ayan says, we really need you to run for mayor. And I'm looking at her like, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you later, I gotta go. Right. And I get to school the next day, I'm teaching at Franklin High School, and one of the students, or actually it wasn't at the high school, it was at Creative Justice. A student yeah. in Creative Justice came up to me and said, my auntie said that you're gonna run for mayor. Damn! <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, hold up. Who's your auntie? Oh, I yeah. know who his auntie is. <laughs> I know exactly who told him that. That's I had to ask him what that would mean to him, and he said it. it he's like, I trust you. I know you. Yeah. You have our experiences. I know you're accountable. You're in our community. You look like us, and it makes me believe that someone like us could mm. be doing that. That's right. So I went home. I do what everybody does mm -hmm. as a mama. I called my mama, mm. and I had to talk to her about it. And my mom was like, you know, I've always told you that I think you should be involved in politics. Wow. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our next meeting and I tell everyone I'm down to run, but uh, with some stipulations. Yeah. I require that I develop a party or some sort of apparatus that can hold me accountable. Yep. Because mm -hmm. too often have we seen people get into office instead of them changing the office, the office changes them. Yeah. And secondly, I'm not doing this by myself. Because um, I can't quit my job. Like, I got to pay rent. I got to mm. pay my own health insurance. I yeah. mean, jobs. Right. Multiple jobs. Right. You know what I'm saying? Self-employed. Yeah. And so everyone that was in that room agreed and committed to being a part of the campaign. Yeah. And, in, and when we won, being a part of the administration in some way or another. Yes. And so... I knew that that I had a solid community. Mm -hmm. And then when we did the launch and like hundreds of people showed up, yeah. it was like, okay, so this is about <laughs> to get real. My father actually, who watches the news every day um, and follows national politics, local politics, was like, you heard about this sister girl, Nikita Oliver? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I've met Nikita Oliver. She's she's super dope. I was like, she's, she's doing some dope stuff. You know she running for mayor. Yeah, okay. That's, yep, I know. I've heard, I think I've heard something about it. And he was like, well, I live in Kent, so I can't vote. But she's having a, a, a launch party on this date and this date. You want to go? Uh, do you want to go? And he was like, yeah, I'll go. And I was like, okay. I was like, let's, let's go. Let's, let's go out there. And so me and my dad were out there and he was like, just mind blown. Mm. He thought it was, he, and so was I. I brought my camera out and I was, and I think to me internally, just to watch like 
after being there and to watch the campaign, similar to what you were saying about the student, was just like to have a candidate that looks like me, that is speaking and talking the same stuff that I'm speaking and talking, especially after what had happened with Bernie Sanders and just so many folks being like, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. And then we got let down and it was like, oh, why believe, right? right? But to see you take that and run was just like, you. I was thinking the same thing. Locally, like we have more power to change things here. And so to be at that launch party with over a, a thousand people packed out Washington at Hall. Washington Hall, yeah. like in the his in the histo- the history that Washington Hall is, mm-hmm. man, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, we had done an event with Socialist Alternatives at University of Washington. It was weird during the election. I had to have handlers, like people who would yeah. help move me around yeah. um, crowds, just yeah. because I like legit could not get out of spaces sometimes. Wow. Um, and sure. for that day, Jossie was kind of like my handler, and we roll up to. Washington Hall and I'm looking at him like yo that's the line for the event like the line wrapped around the block like they had to bring me in a back door and the moment when I like realized what this all meant was when Rachel Heaton was doing the blessing because she's Duwamish Mm -hmm. and she was giving her blessing and our native relatives who had come to drum and sing were singing and then Roxanne White invited me to sing the Warrior Woman song with them and we're in front mm-hmm. of all these all these folks and people are continuing to pour into the building um, just realizing that this was about something so much bigger than an election mm-hmm. and that it actually was about the thing we had started with was how do we keep people from giving in to political apathy yeah. and actually giving in to their imagination and inspiration about what else could we be doing? Yeah, this part sucks and it's awful. Mm. Where is our power? Right. And how can we empower ourselves and, e- and each other to really live in that power? That day was really great. And then it was five months of like running nonstop. Mm. Man, I, I remember having dinner with you <laughs> and you just look so tired because you were the only candidate that was still holding down a full-time job, getting out, going to talks, barely eating, like, oh my gosh. What's crazy is I still ran every day, though. I was like, I got to the boxing gym, I would run. It was like bar prep all over again, only (laughs) with much higher stakes. (laughs) Right. Um, With people f- people following you and asking you questions and to take pictures every day. Yeah, it was. Following you around the grocery store. My name all over <laughs> right, the city. Right. I'm like, there's my name, there's this my name, there's my name. Hold on, <laughs> that her? Is that, hold on, let me. Yeah, that's her. Is that <laughs> my face on a sticker? Is that my face on a wall? But what was most great about the election was our team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a solid team. People worked their asses off. Yes. Nonstop. And like some people unpaid work their asses off you know so and there were people who'd be like yo nikita's not getting paid and we asked her to do this like if she's having to run like this and she's not getting paid like we gotta run hard so people were running hard and it was just one of those moments where it was very clear how much we can do even when we have less because we had no money at first right and then by the end raised one hundred thirty thousand dollars knocked on twenty two thousand doors had eleven hundred volunteers mm-hmm. i gotta shout out jackie mena because she worked her ass off nonstop. her and her sister diana and so it really showed what people power can do yeah. and then when we got to the the 
the primary election and we only lost in terms of the election by 1100 votes for us it was a win yeah because when we first started planning to run we were like yo you're a nobody (laughs) don't nobody know you and really like what we need to be doing is like how do we move this platform forward how do we go grow community voice so we'd set for us what our metric of success was what did a win look like for us and so when we got as far as we did got as many votes as we did with way less access and doing it on our terms as organizers i never compromised a single word out of my mouth right Mm. and we still got 16.9 percent and 20 other candidates had to run to even try to stop that and since then i've learned a lot like there were democrats that didn't want us to be successful so they put other dems in the race to mm. try to deep to there split the were hella yeah. people in that race. <laughs> yeah. It was like, wait, you're running. You don't. You won't even get what? So, oh, so you just entered? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Was, so, yeah, it was crazy. But yeah. I also firmly still stand with like we won. Yeah, absolutely. Like the People's Party is present in things. Yeah. People want to be a part of it. We're filing for our five hundred one c four. We're gonna be building a membership. We're gonna run more candidates. Yes. We're gonna run initiatives. We're gonna do political education. We're gonna feed people. You know, like it's not just about running for office. It is about changing the material conditions yeah. of the most marginalized and disenfranchised in our city. Yes. And it was dope to see you during that time. Like you say, you didn't hold your tongue. You were still like going back and forth with trolls on Facebook who were like, no, you need to pander more to the white vote. And that's why blah, blah, blah. And it was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And here's why. And here's an essay of why I'm not going to do that. And why you shouldn't have asked me to do that in the first place. And like very eloquently like going back and forth toe to toe. And then I see you in spaces and moving around. And so it was like, damn. And you had publicity and shine on these blogs and news outlets that were nationwide right. not just local and I thought this is huge on top, like, on people are paying attention to oh this yeah. outside of Seattle this Hell is huge yeah. and so that I mean listen I'm I'm inspired I'm inspired, and, and so are obviously like thousands right. of other people who voted Everywhere. for you, yeah. and who were just watching, who couldn't vote, like my mm. father, who's in Kent, or like <laughs> the, the, the folks out of out of state. Like, and yeah. I'm I'm so happy to hear that so much is still building yeah. on yeah. top of it. Didn't it didn't just stop. Yeah. And you're still going toe-to-toe with Facebook trolls every day. <laughs> I've lessened that a little bit. <laughs> I, I stay, I do, you know. Even during the election, yeah, I was very choosy about who I responded to. Mm-hmm. Like, unless it wasn't a, a legitimate question mm. that was worth responding to, yeah, I'm not responding. <laughs> right, I don't have time. makes sense. Yeah, I don't have time. But you know, I really hope people are mostly inspired by what communities can do for themselves. Absolutely. Um, and really yeah. thinking about what does people power look like and what is investing. And one another look like. Absolutely. What does what it look like to have electeds that speak unapologetically about their values? Mm-hmm. I feel like, while maybe we didn't win the election, what we did show people is you can have a candidate who you know exactly what they're going to do. Their values are clear. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and even, even the fact that, one, every room that you walked into, whether it was an audience that was there for you or an audience that was there for multiple folks... It was this diverse range of people who were all sitting in this room. The way that you were able to shift the mayoral conversation from the things that 
were politics as usual for a lot of folks to yeah what about this multi-million dollar youth prison that we're doing like so yeah 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 so y'all need to answer that what's up and Uh, that was the goal it was like how do we take the issues the communities that we represent because honestly like the table of folks that were working on the campaign came from so many different communities Mm -hmm. right uh the disability community black community african communities various asian and pacific islander communities you know different income levels different organizing experience Mm -hmm. phoenix community like there were all kinds of people at the table right and so our goal was how do we elevate how do we get people to know about our community's needs but also how do we elevate our artists like art and culture was Mm -hmm. always a huge part of every event but i have to say that first debate that we did when Murray was still in the race mm. and Moon had just jumped in and McGinn had just jumped in. I remember the microphone was a handheld mic and you were supposed to stand up and answer the questions. And I was very lucky to have both Edwin and Jossie on our team because sometimes we would just sit around and we would do the lawyer thing and talk about, like after we would do a listening post, talk about different things we heard mm. as policy strategies mm. and we would we would basically debate each other. Mm. And so I remember getting on that mic thinking, I spend all the time on a microphone. <laughs> That's what I do I all stand things. in front of people and teach things all the time. And then I sit here with just the homies and we debate critical things all the time. Like, Absolutely. this is not hard for me. And I watch the other candidates mm. be nervous and kind of mm. stumble over themselves. And then I was like, at a moment where I really grounded in and I was like, yo, this stuff, I'm built for this, you know, and really realizing like oh, I rocked dang. my tennis shoes to everything. Yes. Um, and so there was also something really special, like hip hop heads that I've grown up with respecting and be like, yo, Nikita, I'm voting for you. You know what I'm saying? Or like, I respect you being like, yo, on the flip side of that, you could be a hip hop candidate. You yep. could be a candidate that really represents the interests of the most marginalized, like right. just really getting right. to bring oh, yeah. the fullness of our cultures to the table without compromise despite the fact that to be honest running for office sucks Man. it's hard it's Man. hard yeah Man. it's hard it's 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 a job it is a job and the media mainstream media oh my gosh whew, it was hard to get them what? to acknowledge all my credentials at first they were just like keto all over black lives matter activists and it'd be like but like Yo. you're over here calling Carrie Moon an urban planner yes. and right. Jenny Durkin a lawyer yes. and right. McGinn a lawyer and environmental activist. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I was so, so mad. Yeah. Oh. But you know we we our team was creative and yeah. we were like you know what we just need to come up with a strategy right. that calls the media out. Mm-hmm. Why can't this campaign also be about media justice? Right. Like, it could be about everything yeah. we need it to be about. Oh, yeah. And especially, like, with so m- which is which is the reason why we do what we do. And even for me as, as an entrepreneur, and, and the, the push for me to start my business was, like, somewhat inspired by watching your campaign and mm-hmm. watching the way that media tell stories around mm-hmm. like non-white folks in this city mm-hmm. and watching the, the level of quality that happens to how our stories are honored right mm-hmm. the fact that it wasn't lawyer Nikita Oliver or educator Nikita Oliver or like person who's been in this city for over a decade Nikita Oliver was like yo you are taking away a part of her story right and so that's that's real what advice would you give 
folks who the the younger folks who are graduating from college now who are like we are in this I don't even know what to I don't even know how to how to how to describe the political landscape of of what's happening here locally and here nationally but what advice would you give the folks who are who are graduating who are like I have to do something about this and this is this might be a calling for me you know, I would say if you want to run for office, do it on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only honest way to do it. Politics is an incredibly dishonest business. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I really struggle when people ask me, will you run again, is I've watched our elected officials repeatedly negotiate the value of other people's lives and their living situations not realizing that that's a situation they'll never have to live in right. yep. um, and not do the right thing because it's not politically advantageous mm-hmm. or because some big business mm-hmm. Amazon <coughs> is pushing them in a different direction right. mm-hmm. and so do it on your own terms do it accountably do it in community and you don't have to do it traditionally you, you don't have to be a career politician to be an elected official in fact we need less career politicians right. and more everyday people in office and don't think that the political realm is the only way you can make change. Okay. Organizing, there's education, there's just being with people and figuring out how do you meet people's everyday needs. A huge part of what I'm thinking about these days is how do you change the material conditions of how people are living? How do you create economic sustainability, land, educational employment opportunities? Yeah. And you can do that from various positions. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it really should be about serving people. Absolutely. And that's what elected officials are oftentimes missing. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do. And sometimes, you know, and they would say, I am serving people. Mm. And then then it's like, well, you're serving big business people. Ultimately, their business strategies don't serve people. Mm -hmm. So if you were to follow it down the line, you're not serving people. You know, so be thoughtful about it. Do it in community. Do it accountably. Know your values and your principles. Know what lines you're not going to cross. I like what you said, because it it also goes back to what you were saying about being inspired by Huey and the Panthers. And that you don't have to run for elected position. The Panthers were given were, were given free breakfast right. and making sure that kids ate before school started. They the were giving pan- people boots. They were right. driving folks to seeing you know incarcerated loved ones. Community mm-hmm. policing, all yeah. of that, all of that. They um, were doing pest control. Right, <laughs> right. Um, Erica Huggins told me that the value of the Panthers was it, what the people told you they need is the thing that you give them. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. As we wrap up. What are some of the issues that you feel like our communities aren't hearing about that they should be hearing about? I know you're working on the stopping the youth jail and just educating through art, but what else is, what are other things? Wow, that's a big question. Yeah. I know. I mean, I know. I, in terms of what I'm working on, for me, it's, it's actually bigger than stopping the youth jail. It is about developing a system that is truly restorative and and does acknowledge trauma and is about trying to find healing. I think people should be really looking at housing crisis, right. thinking about and finding ways to support our houseless folks and having access to housing. As the Supreme Court is drastically changing, mm-hmm. continuing to think about the the rights of women and the rights of queer folks and gender nonconforming folks, because you know in terms of society we live in. And how can you be a part of protecting that? 
obviously ice has got to go mm. and thinking about our, our immigrant relatives and families police accountability in seattle is not a success yet i'm looking for somebody who's going to talk boldly about the roots of mm. policing the racialized history of it how those outcomes continue to happen i'm tired of hearing we're going to give more tools and we'll put new policies in place and we'll fire racist cops yeah. we've heard this before yeah. and yet it does not amount to real safety for the communities most brutalized by the police so paying attention to that and i also hope that folks in our region will start thinking more regionally about what solutions can we develop because problems that are happening in seattle are also happening in other cities and in fact the way seattle decides to deal with things has a huge impact on our whole region and so we really need to start taking a regional approach to how we address social issues Mm. and how we care for each other Mm. Uh, you know i'm always thinking about young people Keep, keep your eyes on our young people, spend time with our young people, listen to our young people. It would be just some of the few, I mean, there's so much to think about. Right, there's right, so right. much to, to have on our minds. And I would encourage people, find an area that you can be committed to and, and commit to it. Be a part of making change in that area. Use your power, your influence, your gifts, your tools. Be a learner, be accountable, because you're not going to get it right every time. Um, And we all have internalized things to undo, and we all Mm -hmm. have different intersections of privilege and oppression, and we don't get it right all the time, so continue that self-education. But don't give in to the apathy. Do something. You can't do everything, but do something. Right. And I know you're all over the place all the time. Is there anything that you would like to, anywhere that you would like to let people uh, know that you'll be at? Not necessarily that I'll be at, but there is the Othello Block Party on July 28th. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you, though. (laughs) Yes. If you liked what you heard, be sure to donate so we can keep going. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. We also want to know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can even use the hashtag NoBlueprint. And if you're really down with the movement, you can join our Patreon account and become a patron, where you'll get exclusive content and limited edition merchandise. NoBlueprint is powered by Ambassador Stories. We share stories of the people, places, and spaces that bring soul to our communities. NoBlueprint is recorded at Ambassador Stories Studios and co-produced with me, Maya Aina. Hear more episodes of No Blueprint and get official No Blueprint merchandise at noblueprintpodcast.com.